Hello, everybody. This is Chris Blair, voice of the national champion Fighting Tigers of LSU. And you're locked in to the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Middle Georgia's number one voice of community and collegiate sports. Go Tigers. This is Mike Conti of Atlanta United and the Atlanta Hawks Radio Networks. You're listening to Middle Georgia's number one team for community and collegiate sports from Atlanta to Savannah. It's the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Hey, this is Andy Demetra, voice of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And when I want to know what's going on in middle Georgia sports, there's only one place I go. It's the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Your place for community and collegiate sports. Guys, take it away. Welcome in, everybody. It's Rob, Ben, and Joe here for uh, the initial show of the 2021 season, guys. I'll tell you what, <clears throat> football season's in the air, and it's good to see you over there, fellas. How y'all doing? We're back in it, Joe. Yeah, doing good? Yes, we're doing well. We have got it. Uh, we're holding it down over here. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you guys. Well, I'll tell you what, it has been a uh, an interesting off year with COVID and everything else going on, and uh, it's still going on, I should say, right? Can't get rid of it. Can't kick the COVID bug. I hope it doesn't, you know, put a put a pause on anything and we're able to keep rolling in there. You, you hear the news and it kind of scares you a little bit and I hope that it, we're able to kind of avoid some of that so we can have a, a full bore season and enjoy what's to come here in a few weeks. Absolutely. And uh, I'll tell you what, guys, we got a brand new uh, season, a brand new year, a brand new show and a brand new guest on the air with us today. Uh, we're going to start it out, you know, with, uh, with the uh, creme de la creme, fellas, when it comes to Georgia football. We are going to bring on uh, Mr. Vince Dooley, uh, uh, Coach Dooley joining us today here. And, uh, Coach, it's a pleasure to have you on the show with us. Thank you so much for joining the Rob Ben and Joe show today. We appreciate it. Well, I'm glad to uh, be on the show and uh, to learn what a good job y'all are doing that stuff. Yes, sir. We are. We try. We bring football from Middle Georgia here, and uh, Rob and Ben just fresh off the football field today. As a matter of fact, they're hustling in here. Still got the sweat on the brow. Yep, yep. So, uh, you, uh, schoolers. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That summer. Ball. So the guys that are hard are out, out playing, uh, practicing now. Yes, sir. Uh, we are. We we uh, we have a day job. We're in the, in the tire business during the day, but in the afternoon we we go back and uh, we coach at um, Dublin Middle School. Our old where we played high school ball. We coach the middle school football team over there in the afternoons. So we just left practice here and ran over here to our uh, our show. So we're we are practicing and radioing and doing it all. <laughs> Good deal. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. It's exciting. <laughs> the middle school age is fun, Coach. You know, you get to, you get them in a kind of a... Yeah, well, yeah. the thing I missed uh, when I was coaching, we used to have football camps. They still have them, but they're different kind of camps today. But we started them uh, at age nine, and then they would uh, run and own up to uh, age uh, 14 or 15. But we'd have them in groups... So we always enjoyed the 9, 10, and 11-year-olds. They were the most fun. There was also a contrast from uh, the players we were getting ready to coach them for 19, 20, and 21. <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference. The 9, 10, 11-year-old, they're, they're so, well, like they said, they're so moldable and pliable. You, they're such a young age. They don't have any bad habits. They haven't. You're, you're basically getting them from a fresh canvas. So that's what makes that age so fun in their, in their still. Well, we were, uh, we try to wear them out. It looks like we just about had them worn out. And then they'd eat some uh, 
the lunch at dinner and then they'd come back strong again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the parents told us when they picked them up, we had them for a week, but when they picked them up, he said that the, uh, that their sons uh, slept for four days after they left the camp. <laughs> well, y'all did your job then. Y'all finally got yeah. <laughs> They just didn't let we y'all work, We worked them good. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, well, Coach, we uh, we certainly do appreciate you uh, taking some time to join us here on the show. And I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind, we'll start out with uh, all the talk that's going on in SEC land, and that is you've got a couple of teams that are wanting to come and uh, throw their hat in the ring with uh, – Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC conference. What are your thoughts on that, Coach? Well, I feel like I've probably seen it all. Uh, I, I was talking uh, to Chip Towers the other day, and I told him that I had been around uh, the Southeastern Conference with every change, starting with the uh, actual agreement of the conference in December of 1932. At that time, I was uh, three months old. I was born in September. And uh, the conference was born in three months later in December of 32. And so I've been with the SEC both as a player or as a coach uh, all of my life. Uh, when, when I first came in, uh, there were Georgia Tech and Tulane. I saw both of them. In fact, when I uh, became uh, my first conference meeting was the year, the very year that Georgia Tech decided that they wanted to uh, go independent. They succeeded from the conference. Two years later, Tulane did. Then I was there when we expanded the conference and uh, worked back to 12 teams. We took South Carolina and Arkansas. And uh, then more recently, uh, here comes uh, Texas A&M. Uh, and uh, now you're talking about uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, that will add to what has been the greatest conference uh, probably consistently, is, uh, despite the fact that the Big Ten has been really good and it continues to be good. But overall, uh, you'd have to say year in and year out it from top to bottom. And now, particularly if that happens, and it looks like it's going to, uh, I don't can't imagine any conference in America being as strong as the SEC. There's no question about that, especially the <clears> – <throat> I feel like they fit the mold and uh, of coming into that conference and um, the tie, especially on the uh, offensive side of the ball. They both well, are – Well, evidently you know, I've lost somebody. Um, but it's as far as that goes. Still there? Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can okay. hear you. Okay. Good. Yeah, and uh, what what we were saying was, you know, those two teams kind of fit the mold of the SEC with um, the high caliber recruiting that they get, and um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the publicity. Both of those are premier teams. Do you ever see teams leaving the SEC that come in like that might be a little weaker, uh, or not weaker, but they're just not as strong in one sport? Do you ever see the conference shrinking, or do you ever see them kind of putting a stop on it, or do you see them, you know, just keep expanding and expanding, you know? Before, Super conference yeah, before kind of. it gets too big. Well, I don't know what, uh, what 
two big means, uh, but there's no question that the SEC will go into what you could call a super conference because Oklahoma uh, and uh, Texas uh, both with, with a long history of great programs, uh, fine academic schools, and uh, not only uh, great pro- athletic programs in football, but they've been that consistently, but also in all the other sports. So it just adds to uh, what has been, particularly at the top, consistently now. You've got Alabama uh, that's been the, the most consistent. I'd like to think that Georgia now is, has gotten to the point where they can compete year in and year out because uh, Kirby has done such an incredible job of recruiting and that's what Alabama has done every year. And if you recruit at the top uh, every year, then you're going to be able to compete at the highest level. So Alabama and Georgia, and you've got LSU that's uh, consistently good. Uh, Tennessee has had a long history. Uh, and while they've been a little down, I think they'll be uh, on their way back. Uh, Auburn uh, definitely uh, has been uh, uh, great. I had the privilege of being there and was there as a coach uh, when they won the national championship in 50 and 57. Uh, so they're on their way back. So there's just a lot of good teams when you consider Mississippi and Mississippi State just go down the line. And Florida, you can't forget Florida because it's probably at this point probably our biggest rival in the East. Uh, so just a lot of great uh, teams and a lot of great programs. Yeah, there's no question with the talent from the SEC, top to bottom, coaching staff, recruiting talent. Uh, it's it's absolutely phenomenal what the conference has been able to do and the teams year in and year out. But um, one thing that I, I've kind of started to wonder, when you add these teams, and maybe you can speak to this because you saw the conference when it was really small and they went into growth mode. What At this point, with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, when is it time for the conference to sit down and maybe redistrict stuff from instead of doing an east and a west and doing a different type of division style so the teams get maybe a little bit more um, competition, I guess, because the west right now is is definitely the stronger side compared to the east. Georgia in the east year in and year out, especially the last decade, has been extremely strong. But the other teams in there have kind of been up and down. Um, since then. So what do you see as far as, and, you, and, and you've seen it, the conference evolve. So how do you see the conference trying to handle maybe redistricting or move some teams around on each division? Well, there's all sorts of options out there. And I'm sure that the commissioner has done a, a terrific job. The athletic directors will be the presidents, of course, who run the conference. Um, and uh, I think they'll come up with a plan it may not be east and west. Uh, maybe it'll be half east, half west. By that, I mean two divisions mm-hmm. within the big division of east and west. I mean, there's also a lot of options uh, uh, on the board, and I'm sure they'll come up with what they feel like is best. Uh, I think the tough thing is, is how you're going to be able to rotate and make sure you you play everybody in the league. Uh, that's the downside of having uh, a league as big as we have. And that's, I think, one of the problems we have now, that we uh, are not playing enough conference games 
but this uh, somehow will make uh, that all the uh, teams play each other more, which I think will be good for the conference and good for each individual scoop. Yeah, it, it will it will definitely uh, resolve some of that, especially some of the lower gates maybe at some schools when you have uh, some lower competition. Instead of playing eight conference games, bump it up to ten, and then they should be able to play everybody. And I know as a fan, the rivalry games are what a lot of fans are concerned about losing. I know when Oklahoma and Texas, they're leaving their conference. But they think for stuff like, you know, you always want to see Georgia and Auburn, you know, teeing it up for that rivalry game. And so the conference will have to try and, you know, figure out how to get, make sure those rivalry games stay intact with them getting enough conference games as well. Yeah, I believe that because people want to uh, – see games in the conference and uh, even though some of the teams have not played as well as others still there's always that particular year uh, Vanderbilt uh, have certainly beaten Georgia at, at times uh, even at our homecoming so uh, Kentucky has had uh, streaks of having some good teams and it looks like they've got another one uh, this year and uh, all those teams that some that have been traditionally comparatively down uh, will rise up in a given year to and, and be good. So people like to watch conference uh, games and uh, particularly the rivals uh, in the conference games. Absolutely, Coach. And I, I tell you what, that has been a, something that uh, that I hadn't thought about, is how will they play everybody if they bring in all these teams to these conferences? If you have a super conference, that's great. But how many games are you going to have at that point, right? So something I had not considered there. <laughs> well, Coach, uh, let me ask you this. As we talk about the teams and the potential and teams that are uh, you know going to be in the mix, how, what do you think of Kirby there and uh, Coach Kirby Smart in Athens and the program and the direction they're heading? Are they a playoff contender? this year? What do you think? Well, I don't think there's any question. I know the sports writers or the medias that meet uh, in Birmingham, which they have just done two weeks ago, uh, has Georgia finishing at the top of the East, has Alabama finishing at the top of the West. Uh, Georgia went three straight years until Florida upset them last year. I don't know if it was really an upset because Florida had a great team. But uh, nevertheless, Alabama has continued to be dominant. Uh, but uh, it looks like that uh, they go to Alabama and, and Georgia more than likely uh, will be uh, in the championship game uh, this year. Kirby has uh, had nine years of experience uh, under uh, Nick Saban and uh, there's no program in the country that's consistently has competed at the highest level like Alabama so he has taken what he thinks is the best of, of Nick and then added uh, the best of Kirby and that's a pretty good combination and it all is that under one thing and that is recruit good players and then be able to manage uh, a particular situation I think this year is a great example of it because uh, of what's being allowed with uh, what we call player portals that they have done terrific job of filling in 
But uh, what apparently looks like there was going to be uh, somewhat of a weakness of the team, and that is a defensive back. And they brought some great defensive backs out. So uh, I'm thrilled i happy with what he's done. And Kirby, outstanding coach, no doubt about that. The uh, the question, uh, and it's going to roll in probably to our next question, Robin Ben. I don't know what you guys have fired up over there, but uh, I was going to ask that 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 East and West with Georgia and Alabama always against each other, and then you have the playoff picture. Uh, you you got to get over that Alabama hump at some point, and Alabama performing at such a high level there as they have, I just think that uh, this could be a good year, in my opinion, for Georgia to have a shot to uh, to get into that playoff system just simply because of uh, the caliber of competition around the rest of the country. But uh, what are your thoughts on that, Coach, as far as, uh, you know, how long do you think Saban can, can hold that, that line? <laughs> well, he's uh... – an incredible job. Yeah. Nobody uh, consistently uh, has done that year in and year out, competed to the highest level. But, I mean, Kirby was within a quarter of an inch on two occasions against Alabama. Yep. So uh, I think if you uh, keep knocking in the door, uh, you're going to get in. <laughs> and uh, I think that they're going to be knocking in the door once again. And it looks like, at least on paper, uh, that uh, Georgia certainly they beat Alabama as they have done in the past. Uh, and maybe, again, the door will open if you keep knocking on it. Yeah, I mean, eventually it's hard to keep beating the same team over and over again. So you would think that eventually that, you know, it's, it's got to go in, in Georgia's favor to kind of kick down that door like you're saying. I just – want to take a second here to kind of you've, you've coached a long time coach and uh, have you ever seen anybody to have the success that Nick Saban has had at one institution throughout your long coaching career has anybody been close to that back in the 60s and 70s or was anybody even close to that type of competition or consistency that Saban's been able to do since the mid 2000s well you certainly have to say Alabama again with Bear Bryant, particularly during the uh, decade of the, the 70s, uh, that uh, the, they almost just dominated. And they have now, I think, uh, both Saban and Bryant have won the same number of national championships and just happened to be in Alabama. I remember that uh, I was talking to Coach Saban, and uh, this was when he was in Miami. And he was considering Alabama, but I told him that I thought it was an ideal time to go to go back to Alabama, or in this case, to go to Alabama. Uh, he had an athletic director that had been a football coach, and then Alabama had been down. And uh, the uh, history and the tradition of that institution uh, was a great uh, opportunity for him. And... Uh, he thought so. I think he probably had it all figured out before he told me anyway. Uh, but, of course, uh, the results takes uh, the, the fact that, uh, that he has done uh, the same type of job as Bab Riot, and uh, they're kind of both tied down for uh, uh, who is the best. Uh, I think there will be historians writing about it 
football has taught us for a long time to go. And I don't know how you don't choose between the two. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they've both done it in different, you know, different eras in their own right, um, and at the same institution, I think that's um, kind of impressive in a way. Um, but both of them have those same qualities, and I think Kirby carries some of those same qualities, like you were talking about being under Nick, you know, Nick for a while and coming to the University of Georgia. He's carried some of those characteristics, and like you said, added his own. Uh, the one thing that's uh, interesting about Kirby is how uh, you know he is very. Uh, uh, visible on the sidelines. He's always coaching. Um, he gets very excited. And I think that's good for recruiting. The players like it. The fans like it. And um, I just like the style of football that Kirby puts on the field. We were talking about it um, with some friends the other day. And it's like, you know, really Georgia football dating back to your time. Um, it, when you were there with, with Herschel and all throughout the 80s and such was uh, – you will not score points on us. We're going to play tough, tough defense, and we're going to run at you. We're going to have a slew of running backs, and uh, and we're going to get it done. And I think Kirby is um, even building upon that more as the offense is getting a little bit more modernized and adding this, but they still got that same Georgia power. And I think Kirby's just a perfect fit for Georgia from that standpoint. And uh, from the defensive side of the ball, he's one of the best defensive coaches I think the game has ever seen in college football. Um, it's just what he's been able to put out there from a uh, strategic standpoint and the players, the way he's able to coach them, how disciplined they are. Um, the defensive side of the football is just is Kirby's thing and he has got it, he's got it fine-tuned, um, especially in an era of football we see now where, you know, points are points are a given but not on the Bulldogs. And I think that's going to bode well for him, you know, going out throughout the rest of this year and the rest of his career if he can keep focused on that because um, that's what Georgia football is all about. Well, it's uh, some things won't change. You, you got to play defense, but what has changed is you, uh, you got to score more points than what you scored in the past. And uh, Alabama has certainly adjusted to that. Kirby has adjusted to that, and uh, they still play good defense. But it's relatively speaking, uh, the, the defense of a, almost a generation ago. You could play that way, have a great kicking game, and then uh, win in the fourth quarter. But you got to be able to put up points, and Alabama and Georgia does that, which means a more sophisticated passing game. But the whole uh, football game is more sophisticated than it's ever. But you've got to be able to play uh, offense, defense, and the kicking game. And then you get need to be good in all three of those uh, parts of the game because uh, if one phase of the game is not doing well, another phase has got to take up the slack. And when you get a championship team, that often happens. Yeah, and that's and that's what Kirby's been able to do too the last couple of years, and especially with Jet, when Jake Fromm was there with Michelle and Chubb, they really started to kick those point totals up and throwing it through the air, and uh, had a lot of really dynamic players. And right now, this year, JT Daniels is coming back at quarterback. He's got a lot of wide receiver weapons that are top-notch talent. He's got a stable of running backs, and uh, if you. It's the day of college football. If you don't throw, if you don't score thirty-five, you're probably not gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be up there. You're right. You gotta score. 
<laughs> well, Coach, uh, I know we're about at time here with you, but I just wanted to ask you one quick question. Uh, and this is uh, this is always just perception, right? Uh, this is just your opinion and, and ours. But uh, uh, since you have been involved with uh, the SEC and, of course, University of Georgia for so long and are so dear to so many fans here, I would like to hear your perspective since you have uh, – not been the AD or the coach, who is the best University of Georgia player that you have seen come through that program? Well, obviously, uh, prejudice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say, uh, I'd say Herschel, and, uh, he is the uh, most self disciplined player that I could ever remember. Uh, and that even reflects today where he probably still works out twice a day at his age. And uh, But he, uh, he had great speed. He had world-class speed, really, and, uh, and natural strength. But uh, what separated him? He had this incredible uh, self-discipline that still is with him today. And when you combine those three together, you have what you have in Hershey. Uh, he's the most productive player that I've ever seen. Well, Coach, I'm so glad in a way that you said Herschel Walker because, you know, this show originates from Dublin, Georgia, which is just next to Johnson County, Wrightsville, Georgia, where Herschel was when you uh... – now, here's the, here's the part of the story I want you to confirm or to clarify because there's a lot of lore around here that <laughs> talks about the recruitment of Herschel Walker, but did you come land a chopper out there at Johnson County <laughs> on the high school football field and talk to Herschel and crew, or is my brother-in-law making that up? <laughs> well, I think at that particular time that uh, Georgia Tech might have had uh, one of those helicopters and some of the others, <laughs> but uh, it, it wasn't too far from Athens, Georgia. I could get down Highway 15 in a hurry to get to Wrightsville, <laughs> and every time I go down that way, I think about him. And then I also go off to the Savannah, so I take either 15 or 441 and go through Dublin. So I can't go wrong either way, and I've done made that trip a many a time, and we'll continue to hopefully do it a lot of times in the future. Well, Coach, and next time you're through, we certainly hope that you will stop by and say hello to the Rob Ben and Joe show if you're around. Give us a call. How about it? We'd appreciate it. Well, thank you. Appreciate all your great support. Yes, sir. Years. All right. We've got a lot of good memories of Dublin in that area, as you pointed out. And I did go to a ball game that when Herschel was playing. And uh, a lot of people turned out certainly supporting uh, the high school in Dublin, but a lot of them came to see Herschel, too, which is what I did. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you, Coach. Well, Coach uh, Vince Dooley, Georgia football legend, we appreciate you being on the show with us here, my friend. Thank you so much, and enjoy your your trip and the rest of your time. Well, thank you, and y'all keep up the good work. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, Coach Vince Dooley there on the call with us, fellas. What what fun is that, getting to talk to a legend like Coach Dooley there? I mean, the the best thing that you can really – it's just – it's almost like you're able to sit around in a – it's almost like you're you're sitting around the dinner table and and dinner's over and you're getting to reminisce on all these stories. And, 
it really gives you perspective to talk with somebody that's coached so long at such a high level and has seen so many good programs, so many good players come through. And to be able to hear him draw those comparisons to Nick Saban and Kirby Smart to people back in his day with Bear Bryant, it just really, I don't know, it's just really neat to sit here and listen to that. And the game has, although it's changed, it has been the same for a long time. Yep. You know, the best coaches, the best players at the end of the day are going to win. You know, and I, I just sitting here listening to him, as I'm sure you guys uh, were, it was so, so just cool to hear. Um, you could hear that stability and that confidence and that that almost matter of fact about, yeah, fellas, it's just offense, defense, kicking game. You know, that's what it is. It's the same game. You know what I mean? You're, you're right, Coach. Yeah. It is. You're exactly right. <laughs> that's that's exactly what it is. It is. That, exactly right. That's but simplification. It, it, no matter, and, and like, he, like Rob said, what's transcended time yeah. uh, is the fact that those three things still remain the same. They might be scoring 35 points. Your defense, th that offense might be off or the offense might be playing hot, but the defense has still got to pick up their, their slack. That's right. You know, the kicking game still got to come out there and make their field goal when they can make it um, and, and do what they have to do when they've got to do it. Um, but uh, perspective there is what's really interesting, especially from the conference standpoint, uh, hearing all the kind of transitions that um, I know from Hearing my dad and grandfather talk, Georgia Tech used to be in the SEC, and then they went and independent. I, when, he, when we talked about that, about the SEC, Georgia Tech leaving the SEC, <laughs> if, if I got to talk to him again, I would ask him if the story's true, that the this old story goes that Georgia Tech left the SEC because they were playing a game in the conference, and uh, a player from an opposing team, another conference team, I can't remember who it was, so right. I'm not going to assume. Right. But they stepped on a tech player's face with their cleat, and and the, or they stepped on his throat or head area, and they wanted the player because it was very violent. They Georgia Tech wanted the player, you know, suspended barred from the barred from the conference right, where he couldn't play. Right. Well, the conference said no, we're not, you know, we're not barring a kid for that or anything. Well, Georgia Tech got really upset and said, well, if that's how y'all are going to run your conference, then we're, we're out. Leave. Wow. So. I don't know if that's true. You know, that may be total folklore. Um, but I, if I got another chance, I'd like to ask that about the conference because just think about that. What if Georgia Tech and Tulane stayed in the Southeastern Conference, you know? Yeah, that would be rather interesting. And uh, maybe Georgia Tech wouldn't be in the predicament that they're in at the moment, you know, if that was if that was the case. Um, but uh, it's very interesting to see all of those perspectives. It shows you how they um, evolve, too. How yeah. everything evolves. and. Um, um, and, and then what's the conference like the ACC going to do? And he mentioned the Big Ten. Yeah. Well, you only got 10 teams, and they got 20 or 18, and they're all super conference teams. <laughs> ACC, what are you going to do? You got Clemson and sometimes Florida State. Is Georgia Tech ever going to come back? North Carolina does all right. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, outside of Clemson here recently, what are we going to do? You know, you got to have something coming to the table to make it all competitive and bring it bring it all to light. Yep. So I think um, all of that's something to, to, to think about when all these conferences are expanding. And like he said, you know, you might not play some teams for six years. You won't ever get them. You won't ever play yeah, them. Yeah, you won't ever get them in the rotation. You can't build enough games in the schedule to do that. Yeah, right? and like, I, I would like to talk about that just for a second. When, sure. I, when I mentioned that to him, and I've been thinking about this, and me, Ben and I have talked about this with some of our buddies a few weeks ago. We were, it was a lot of us together, um, and we were all talking. And the news broke about the Oklahoma-Texas deal. Right. 
And I said, you know, there's got to be some point for the conference. They're going to have to come up with something so the teams can see each other more often. And you've got to be able to how to configure that thing to where you got to keep Georgia playing Auburn because that's their that's major rivalry. Got to have that game. But that's a crossover game for them. Right. So they're not really on their side. But how do you juggle this? Because I think the East and West is is totally out of bounds at this point. Like they need to re they just need to rethink the conference sides at this yeah. point. Because you know, let's face it, the West is really overloaded at this point from top to bottom on how top heavy it is. Right. Whereas in the East, Georgia has been top very consistently. But the rest of the teams in the East have been so up. Right. I mean, you, you look at Vanderbilt, you look at South Carolina, you look at even Florida Kentucky, recently. Kentucky, yeah. all those teams are just, you never know. what. Well, you do know what you're going to get, and you know it's not going to be the cream of the crop. Yeah, that's you right. Know? Well, and it's like, okay, so you got Texas A&M in there, yeah. Oklahoma and Texas. If we're thinking about East and West, they're West. Yeah, they're way west. But you can't. Yeah. But but you can't. Can you do that? No, that doesn't no. make sense. Okay, so now we're gonna have Texas A&M, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri. You know, kind of draw Arkansas. Draw, kind of draw the line over there that way. But then you're like, okay, so are we gonna have Alabama, Auburn, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, all of them on one side? LSU? Are we are we joking? <laughs> yeah. You know, we their got gates a, would be astounding, and then Georgia and Vanderbilt and Kentucky got punished. But the yeah. other trick of this is too, and a lot of people don't realize this is Vanderbilt's baseball team is unbelievable. Vandy boys, incredible. Vandy so, boys. <laughs> so let's think about you know you're talking about we just think about it. We're narrow-minded right. way talking about football. Right. When they make that move. Texas' softball team has to fly to Athens and play softball. Yeah. That's oh, a lot by, of logistics that go on. By the way, there. those two teams are pretty doggone good softball teams. Right? They're real yes. good. Oklahoma. Yeah. Real good. Real good. So, from a whole sports standpoint, they're having to – it's more than just football. Oh, yeah. And so, logistically speaking, you're going to have to do something because these schools' budgets will be enormous trying to travel kids and, you know, do things during the week. Uh, you know, whatever you got to do, it's hard, especially like basketball season. Yeah. It's a tough season, um, especially when it's not kind of right well, there. Well, I think that's why so, the, the conference has ponied up so much with ESPN and with the funding that, that they're going to get and the publicity. And the, these contracts for these schools to join these conferences <laughs> – are astronomical revenue-wise. And our listeners, I don't know how much, you know, money is, Kirk Herbstreet said this a few weeks ago, and I don't know if you guys got to catch it, but he said, he said, I thought that the NCAA and college football and the conferences really cared about rivalry games and the, and the college football, but at this point it's turning into who can make the most money and how fast can I get it because yeah. Yeah. it's directly relative to how many recruits you get. All that stuff requires money that Georgia and Alabama and Clemson's able to get these top. How are they getting these guys? How are they getting these guys? Well, they're all the time. Look at their facilities when they come. They're always in the top ten. It speaks for itself, but money drives all that. Oh, yeah. So all of these conference moves, Texas and Oklahoma are doing this because of the revenue implications, because their viewership out west is nothing like right. Georgia's or right. Alabama's or Auburn's right. because they saw how Texas A&M basically jumped the ladder, uh, hopped over them in revenue because they moved conferences. <laughs> because the Big 12's yeah. not getting that type of publicity on TV. They're yeah. just not, there's not that many people watching it like they watch the Southeastern Conference. Fox, so it's a money Fox, deal. Fox is not pulling in what the you know the the Fox the Fox Sports One Oklahoma Baylor is just not pulling in as much as 
what a Oklahoma LSU right. would and pull in. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, you think about that. Like, Oklahoma LSU, that's an 8.30 kick. Well, let's talk about uh, – just since you mentioned Fox there, I'm just going to bring this up. Why do you think that those regional sports are no longer Fox Sports 1, Fox South, but they're now Bally's? They're yeah. now rebranded? Why do you think that is? Somebody put a lot of money in that, didn't they? Yes, exactly, to try to drive uh, drive viewership to it. Well, uh, and, somebody yeah. just put a lot of money in it, and Fox got tired of, I guess, having to, to put a lot of money in it themselves that, because of the second-tier exactly. schools and viewership and advertising costs and all Fox, those things. Fox got tired of ponying up yeah, because they, got, they were like, hey, we're putting all this money up It's a drain. To, and That's it's a, a drain. drain. We can't. The Big 12 is not producing like it should. The Big 12 game at 12 o'clock right. is not pulling the revenue in that we've put out up front. When, to pay you the conference. when you trade the brand of your network for a sponsorship, yeah. that should tell you yeah. everything that you want to know. Absolutely. You know that that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, you know that that's a, hey, we're not really in support of this, so we sold it off. <laughs> we let somebody else fund this. Yeah. So, I, I, by the way, I don't think I, I got a clear – did I get a clear answer from Vince there? He told me uh, maybe Georgia Tech landed a chopper, but not him out there in Wrightsville. Is that what which I heard is, him say? Hey, which is very, <laughs> you know, flipping the table yeah. there, flipping the script. I hope but, some of my friends well, are listening to that. Our, back listen, in the day. Before our listeners. Before our listeners. <laughs> that's right. Before our listeners. Yeah. 1999 and earlier, Georgia Tech was extremely good. They were good. <laughs> they yeah, were they, good. <laughs> they, they, they were. The, the 2000s have been rocky at times. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, every team goes through those waves. But that's right. That was I didn't know they had a helicopter back then. Yeah, well, uh, that's uh, you know my brother-in-law and uh, friends of mine from Johnson County that I'd go visit when we go hunt over there would. Oh yeah, they they brought a chopper out here, landed right in the middle of that stadium. You know, <laughs> Vince Dooley himself did. And I was like, okay. Yeah. He said he drove. That's yeah, right. He said he drove, and he'll drive many a time. He said it's a short yeah. ride. Yeah, and that well, it, he it uh, it obviously paid off. But yeah, uh, you know what was interesting from from that about you know you asked him the obviously Herschel is the right. obvious answer um, but it wasn't necessarily his you notice it wasn't characteristics of his game how hard of a runner he was right. how powerful he was it was what he is as a person yeah discipline discipline goes a long ways and that's what stuck with him it stuck with him his whole entire you know his whole entire life from meeting him is his discipline I mean this guy still gets up twice a day he's probably lifting twice a day right now yeah I mean, I, that's what he said. The, the most disciplined person he's probably ever met. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I'm sure Vince Dooley's met uh, a few people in his day. <laughs> yeah. He's seen a lot of players. Yeah. yeah. I thought the yeah. conversation with Nick was interesting, too, is about from when he was at Miami, right. Miami Dolphins, going back to college. And uh, you know, Nick is a wise, very wise person. And he likes, he seeks counsel from people. Oh, yeah. It's, I never, you would never know that. You would never know that him and, you know, him and Dooley had a conversation. Right. But... You know, he talks to him and Bill Belichick are like best friends. Yeah. So they conversate about certain things, and it's just, you know, a wise man seeks wise counsel. And it helps Nick make a very informed decision. And look, there you go. You know, it's like, you know, you pull together like the best doctors in the world if you're trying to solve, like at Duke or somewhere for cancer studies. Right. They're they're Johns Hopkins. You know, they're getting the cream de la creme of all of it to try and figure out, hey, how can we figure this out? Well, people wonder, well, how does Saban always stay at the top? How does he always have something for this? 
Well, if you don't think that during the week that he don't call and say, hey, man, this team we're playing, like, I think I want to do this, Bill, Bill Belichick at the Patriots. So, yeah. Hey, I think I want to do this, but, you know, Kirby, really, they, their offensive coordinator has been doing X, Y, Z. Well, well, Bill, what do you think about that? Do you th- what would you do against Yeah, them, what Bill? would you do? Yeah. And when you're talking, there's not very many people at the collegiate level that can pick up that phone. And make those and calls. And make those calls. Yep. So people say, well, well, man, Georgia was wearing them out the first half and come out in the second half and Saban just turned to flip. Well, he kind of probably already knew what how Georgia was going to play it, and then he didn't make an adjustment until the second half, so they couldn't make an adjustment at halftime. Well, see, the way, the way I see Saban is uh – you know, it's like the game of chess, fellas. You know, you can play chess with people because you know you can see the moves that are available to you. You know what I'm saying? And you're really savvy, and I'm not a really savvy chess player. Let me just throw it out there. But you can you can play the game that way because you can see the end, right? Yes. You can see the end game. And uh, that's the way, uh, in relation to that conversation and the, the knowledge and the opportunity he probably has to draw on knowledge from people that other coaches just don't have those relationships, mm-hmm. I'm sure it probably does make it so that he can see the end game there. You're talking about adjustments at the half yeah. and things like that. Well, there's only so many places you can move that queen. You know what I'm uh, saying? <laughs> there's only absolutely. so many ways you can well, that's right. defend and he, it. And he's watched, you know, at that point, and, uh, and, I, and I use this because George has been really one of the only ones outside of Clemson that have right. really run Alabama up to the wire right. um, or beat them in Clemson's case. But you look at those games, and Georgia does so well. Now, we were watching the 2018 SEC championship right. oh. the other day. It was on a rerun. And I was at my uh, I was um, at Rachel's parents' house. We were watching that, and then I was just kind of off and on. We were talking. I was looking. Georgia played so well in the first half, but they showed all their cards yeah. up front. And so that's when Saban got halftime, he said, all right, what I thought they were going to do. So here's what I'm going to do to try and combat it in the second half. And what do they do? They buckle down the hatches. They make a change. And then it's too late for Georgia to make an adjustment in game. It's very difficult to do that in a – as fast as the game goes. I mean, two of them go out there and scored three seconds. Right. And it's like, oh, we're back on the field. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to do, man. It it makes it for – it makes it very challenging. And like uh, we we were talking about, the game's gotten so complex now. There's there's so many different – Things and terms and verbiage. He and, almost and said defense else. didn't matter, and he, he's he's not too far off. I mean, yeah. it matters. It has to be good. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have an offense that can score, but you, you this is the thing it. that I, I think I can't remember if I posed this last year when we were talking about it on this show, but I, I was off record. But uh, who's going to evolve the defense? That's what I want to. Yeah, we talked about that out, last Let's year. throw out yeah. cover two. Let's throw it all out the window. Because these guys don't play by the rules on offense anymore. So why are you going to let them? Why are you showing your cards? You're showing them what they know. Okay, he's cover two. All right, we've got to do this. What if you don't come out and cover two? What if you come out cover 26? Let me ask Let's you just this. make up some. Let me, let me tell you this. I, 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 this gives me a good chance to talk about our uh, new YouTube channel. If you guys have not seen that listening in, subscribe. be sure and uh, check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Rob Ben and Joe on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. And if you go there, you will see the interview we have with the head coach of Johnson County, Coach Norton. And to your point, he said something very interesting to me. 
uh, I asked him, I said, Coach, you know, are you going to make any changes to your defense? How are you going to line up? And he said, man, we're always an eight from eight in front. It doesn't matter. He's like, we're just always going to be eight up there. It doesn't matter. You can call it what you want to. We're going to put eight up there. We're going to line them up different ways, you know. <laughs> he said, that's just what's going to be the whole way. <laughs> and I thought that was just interesting, you know, because yeah. he's he's kind of doing what you said there. He's like, you know, it's not four or three. It's not a three, four. It's not, you know, what. He's like, man, it's, it is. We put eight people up here, and I'm going to dance them around, and we're going to do whatever. Because exactly. that's what he's got to do. Yeah. yeah. He said, I teach my players to learn two or three different positions. You know, they if we can get them to learn two, that's great. Every now and again, you'll have one that learns three, you know, because that's what they got to do in their uh, single-A ball that they play. But um, I just thought that was interesting. You know, he's like, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to put three in the back. We got eight up front. You know? And we're going to play ball. And, and we're going to play ball. But we're going to move know, around. And, and, and he's really got the right mindset. And to Ben's point, because we've thought a lot about this, and playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. I went to so many camps and doing this and sitting in college rooms and going through film study. As a quarterback, I, we go out in the perimeter, and you sit there and look, and you go through some calls and stuff. Well, you know you got cover two immediately. Like you can sit there and look. They're either playing. Right. There's two guys up top. All right, I got cover two. So I got I can shoot the if – I, if I got a go route, I got to throw it in the window right there. I can't right. hang it, you know. Hey, I got guys there's, – there's coverage guys in the flats, but there's weaknesses in the middle because they're getting covered by linebackers. You automatically know that. Well, if I go up there and I see a bunch of guys just – jumble box turnover you're like wait you know you you're having to make the players as humans we love to solve problems right i go up there i'm like man cover three i can take that guy one-on-one my guy's better than him we're good we're good if you go up there and you're like oh my gosh I don't, I don't know. What, Which is the way I, I play what, quarterback. What, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what coverage cover are they in? What are we doing? You oh, know? Yeah. And so somebody's got to start doing that. Yeah. Somebody's got to change the game. Because on offense, yeah. they've run the script with Clemson, them running this guy in motion, an eight, motion and H-backs over, playing with three tight ends. All that stuff is different. Yeah, what if you went out there and, like, a, you know, call it a cloud or whatever, you know, just everybody back there. You got five, six DBs, you know. And they're the just nickel. standing there. Yeah, they're just all back there like, what up? You know, yeah. here we are. We're just going to roam around back here. Yeah, yeah. what are we going to do? Would they, what it, would you do? Exactly. And then, you know, each with whatever play call you send in, the two safeties or whatever, or you change their responsibilities, all right, you got deep. Yeah. You, you, y'all don't get me deep. Y'all yeah. both are flying out of there. It's backyard football. Yeah, pretty I much. I got this guy. I got that guy. The offense, the offense is kind of backyard, though. Yeah. A lot yeah. of that stuff. Well, that's why most teams now are just playing man-to-man. Yeah. Cover up. Basically. Hey, man, you know, like, all right, you're, you're playing rover or strong safety or whatever. All right, you got yeah. number two or number one. Yeah. And you just you run with him. And what, yeah. what, him. what Ben just said, though, is why the teams with less talent, like Georgia Tech's been trying to rebuild. Yeah. Me and Ben have been watching this, and we're like, why the heck are they playing man? You know, like, oh, my gosh, it's like we're man up. We're not good enough to man up. We're getting blasted. We're getting hammered, well, yeah. Well, okay, if you're Andrew Thacker or Jeff Collins, take your pick. Either you go out there and you play cover two, and they get eight yards every play through the air and pick your zones apart because your guys still are not as good as the other team, or you just play man, hope that you get a sack, hope a big play happens. Right. So that's why. You get beat by 40-some games because you, three guys got beat. Right. But you're better off you, playing man for the risk of getting the right. turnover because if you play zone against good quarterbacks, they're going to light you That's up. That's right. You have, you apply more stress to the quarterback in a man situation if your guy can stay 
close. That's right. If you can, you got to make him make the throw and, and, a little better. And the other trick to that is having six or seven worthy frontmen right. to get to him before he that's can right. find him. Guys, that's you the got point. two seconds, three to seconds get there. To get there. And yeah. that's what Georgia does really well. What right. Dooley said. That's their right. recruitment. Their Those guys. Their guys get there. Well, let's not just come down hard on the Yellow Jackets, okay? <laughs> let's use let's it come a, down hard on everybody. Yeah. I use him as an example for other in teams. Team, no, any yeah, other right. team that's not Georgia, Clemson. Notre Dame, Clemson, or Alabama, right. or whatever. That doesn't Park. have absolutely elite NFL defensive right. line. Kentucky. I mean, Jordan Davis coming yes. back for Georgia's playing for like the 20th year in college. And <laughs> yeah. 6'6", 330 with seven years of experience. Yeah, yeah. so crazy. it's like, so, so you, like, take that, you take that, and then, you know, the North Carolinas, Georgia Tech, NC State's, Vanderbilt's, yep. Kentucky's, the middle tier, South Carolina, yeah. Arkansas, these teams that are right Virginia in the middle. Tech. It's oh, not no. like their players are bad. Yeah. It's just the other teams have better more players of them. and more of them. More of them. Yeah. yeah. Like, whereas Arkansas might have four, Georgia has 11. Yeah. And then so, like, through two quarters, it might be tight if the game plan's okay, but you get in the third quarter and, you know, number nine is going against the not so good other number nine and he's <laughs> yeah. getting exposed. Right. Well, I mean, you, that's what's happened. You know what I love is you can take this sentence that you guys have experienced because you've been college athletes and, and I've experienced it as well is is you, when you go to college and you say everybody's as good as you are. Oh, you know oh. what I'm saying? When you walk onto those different campuses and you you can literally see that that cream kind of separate. They're all really good, but then you've got those that are just that much better. Man, they're like the double black diamond versus the black diamond if you're a skier. You know yes, what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. It's, That's it's, what very, you got. it's very evident. It's like, you know, a wise, wise man once told me when I was in high school, get, we get recruited and getting ready to go to college and all this stuff and kind of figuring out everything. And he told me, he sat me down, he said, look, this is how I see it. High school, you know, you got a few guys that you know are just better, that you can tell are just visibly better than everybody else. Right. You know, there's a, 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 a small number there that'll go on and play. When you get to college, everybody was those small guys. So now you're all in one, one pond. Right. Okay. Well, the big fish start eating those guys up. Then there's fewer guys that rise <laughs> up to the top of there. And then those few guys go to the NFL. And then there's really not a lot of those. Right. But that's how it works. And there's, but what's happening is the guys at the top, of the, the NCAA football structure, they got a lot more of those guys than everybody else has. So that's a great point. Yeah, Go and, ahead. The, and to your point, they've got a lot more of those guys. And right now, because of the playoff system, there's only about eight to ten schools that have most of those guys. They have yep. shut the door on all the other programs. Because yeah. they got in the yeah. door early. Yeah. Clemson and Alabama in Georgia. In right when it in started. Georgia. And Georgia got yes. in on the coattail of it yeah. when Kirby got there. Yeah. But Clemson and Alabama were there first. Nobody can argue that. Those guys literally played national championships year after year after year. To get Ohio, Ohio State. Ohio right State. And Ohio State. Right just don't even. But. Those 10 teams, though, they were there. They made it. So they said, hey, man, we played in the, we played in the playoffs. Hey, if you're, if you're a big-time player, you come to us because we got a chance of making the That's playoffs. Right. Somebody else, they're like, you know, somebody swallows in there and said, you ain't never made the playoffs before. Get yeah. out of my house. Get out. You know? I mean, I don't want to play for you. Yeah. And that's elite talent. Yeah. That's the challenge that other schools are, are having. That's right. I think this NIL stuff will probably help maybe level the playing field, even though the schools aren't. 
paying them? Sponsors I was are just about to get to that. Them. I was just about to get to that question. It's a fine line. There. I was just about to get to that question. Do you? Well, how do you think that shakes out with college players? I, and think about those top echelon schools, and then you know everything my, else. My thing is, and, and I've talked about this to several friends, and I, 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 there's several things that I have issues with. And the main thing is it starts internally to how's, how are the other players going to view somebody like Bryce Young in Alabama? Right. He's never taken a snap. He's already signed over a million and a half dollar worth of deals, and he's never played. So this kid legitimately, if, if and I don't know how the, the details work because it's not released yeah, to the public. Don't know. Don't but know. if this kid's already been paid this cash, which if they, he has, that's absurd. He could legitimately <laughs> drive a Lamborghini to practice, and the rest of his teammates are walking from their dorms. Yeah. And what, how's that going to look? I mean, and this kid could little. He don't have to go to school, but there's no incentive for him. If he's already got a mill and a half, does he have to do anything? There has to be. I don't know if the NCA when they wrote these rules, surely these kids are not getting paid this money until they graduate. Because why would they go to class? Yeah. Why would why? they practice? Why? Why would you? Why would you go to practice? Yeah, there's why no would you play? If that and if that's the case, you know, you have a three-year rule in football where you can't go to the NFL, but but basketball, you know, you can bail. Yeah, it's different football. Yeah, but I just I'm already making a mill and a half. I'll just show up as a freshman, get some reps. I'm going to the league. Yeah, I mean, it creates a bunch of it creates it is a mess. Bizarre. And and then you know the best players are going to go to the schools that are going to pay the most, or the sponsors are going to pay the most. That's right. They're getting so, the most publicity. So the likelihood of you know. The likelihood of a second, let's say like a, a Syracuse, <laughs> the likelihood of them getting a player that's like the same caliber as a Nick Chubb is never going to happen. Yeah. Because Syracuse doesn't have sponsors that give a flip enough to pay their football players that. So Syracuse will never have a good football team. If that's the case, yeah, it will never will. Never gonna and so like, but let's think about it regionally here. What about like Georgia State and Georgia Southern? What are you going to do? Yeah. You're just going to get – you You will be stuck with getting the crumbs because are you, they can get paid too, but, I mean, it's a smaller market. So, like, it, with this being a Does smaller market – Does the medium market matter then? Boone, hey, Boone, North Carolina doesn't have Rubbermaid. Yeah. Okay? They don't have <laughs> – hey, they don't have – they don't have, like, Home Depot sitting there. A school like Georgia Tech benefits heavily from this. Yeah. They're in a financial hub, man. Like, and they're in the like, top three media market in the nation. In the nation. So, I'm saying so, – so, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech is, is like, whoo, man, this is great. Yeah. Whereas somebody else, like – Dang, man, this really hurts us, dude. What are we going to do? It's a, it'll all shake out, and they'll probably come back five years from now and say that was a really bad idea yeah. or whatever. But at the end of the day, it will change the game uh, of football, and it'll, it'll change recruiting because, you're, in a sense, you're, you're able to kind of bribe players. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it like that, you're, I told, you're able I told to Ben. People. I told yeah. Ben, you legit, like you haven't been able to pay players, even though we know that money's getting exchanged. Just look at what, <laughs> just look at what Pruitt yeah. was trying to do at Tennessee, and that right. is an absolute dumpster fire now. If it wasn't before, <laughs> it, it definitely is full blown now. But oh man, somebody like Jeff Collins in Atlanta, 
He could go to somebody like Georgia Power or something and say, hey, man, we really need this kid out of Westlake. Yeah. Really need this guy. I'm going to go in here and tell him, say, hey, man, you'll get 300 k worth of deals from Georgia Power. You'll be like their poster boy if you sign with us. I can't write it down. but Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just hey, telling you. And if he's so you don't mean Josh Heifel, Tennessee's going to do that? <laughs> hey, yeah. So I'm saying, like, hey, he's off, Jeff Collins off mic was a marketing guy at Georgia Power, and they're sitting at a lake somewhere, and he's yeah. just sitting there like, hey, man, I need you. I really and need Col- you. Off, Collins. Off Collins. Is crafty with the Waffle House stuff yeah. and everything. Oh, so, I, love I mean, it. there's there's Still a there's a good that stuff now though. That would be legal if if te- Georgia Tech didn't pay him, but Georgia Power did or Coca Cola or Waffle House. House. It's fully straight up. And that's and, and Waffle that's, House is run by tech grads, so yeah, people really? better watch out. You I didn't know, know that. Created it. Yeah. yeah, but it's uh it's um it's it's very interesting and um you know well for the next <laughs> gotta watch out for the <laughs> for the next yeah for the next for the next show, but uh, we'll get into you know kind of. We think about some of the outlook of some of the other teams outside of Georgia and everything. Well, you know what? Andrew Monaco next week going to be on with us. So uh, we'll get a good idea go. of what they got. Jimbo Fisher's on the cusp. cusp now, I want to know is Kellen Mond gone? Is he, is he gone? Hadn't he been there for he like went, a decade? He went to the draft. <laughs> I thought he went to the combine. Yeah, I think I he think went he to the combine. He went to the he's combine. Done. Kellen Mond's out. I swear I mean, he's been there 10 years. I, I think the last, I, I don't remember watching that. I had my first child, Kevin Mond was a quarterback. That's good for Texas a <laughs> All I remember is Johnny yeah. Manziel and then <laughs> Kellen Mond. Mond. Yeah, Kellen Mond. Well, it's, it's good and for Johnny him Manziel was a while ago. <laughs> and that's that's good for him to move on. But yeah. Georgia Tech, th- this year, the only point I'm going to make, before, we'll talk about it yeah. in, a, in, a, in a week or two, but uh, Georgia Tech is – They've got enough players now, and you know we've the, the recruiting and everything. I think the fans are going to want to see. They want to see some wins. They want to see some. They want to see, see some Ws. Let's, let's get half our games out. Let's get yeah. half our games out. And I think I think we got a chance to do that. Our guys are a lot stronger. Um, the pro he's he's changed the program from a new modern standpoint. Yeah. Weightlifting and all yeah. this stuff and, and everything. There's no doubt the hype physi- and physically looking at these guys from where they were under under Paul. Different. And Different. Paul didn't need the guys to look like that. He didn't want his offensive tackles to be 320 because they couldn't get to the second level on offense. Yeah. So yeah. there was a reason why all that happened. But but Collins has done a really good job physically looking at these guys. He's really turned – I mean, he's really developed the guys that he's got. And he's he's landed some pretty good recruits, too, and he's got a good recruiting class. His recruiting, his recruiting has taken off. Yes. There's no doubt about well, that. I, I saw something the other day that it said Georgia flipped a commitment from Georgia Tech. When have you seen when that, that in the last – When was that a headline? Yeah. When is when have you seen that in the last <laughs> – Georgia Tech years. homers, that makes you pumped up. You're like, woo, You're like, yeah, they, that guy was at us first. Yeah. <laughs> Him, then we're on the right track. There you go. You know, and so that's that's a that's you want to be in those yeah, conversations. Yeah. If you want to compete at that level, you, you want to be able to compete for that type of talent. Uh, I, I agree with you 100. percent And guys, I tell you what. I uh, before I, uh, actually before I tell you, I'm going to introduce everybody uh, for our new high school scoreboard show. Don't forget, we got a new uh, radio station carrying us this year, 102.1, the ESPN station here in Dublin. Uh, we'll be uh, carrying the scoreboard show that will start uh, not next week, will we? Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Yep. We'll start that in two weeks. And uh, so you'll pick us up on uh, 97.5 uh, The Wolf out of Eastman. You'll get us in Dublin at 102.1. And uh, you'll get us at uh, uh, Waco 100 out of Sandersville. And then our affiliate stations all across uh, South Georgia as well. So uh, be sure and listen in. We'll start that in two weeks, 10 o'clock here on Network One Sports and those radio affiliates as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. And just to show you some love, guys, 
You see the new Georgia Tech helmet up there in the box, right? I saw it. Made the room, baby. Yeah. Saw that. Made the room. Made it. We had to. We had to. We had to bring the room together. I just thought I'd point that out for you. There. I didn't notice it before I got here. The Dan Marino, the Dan Marino pick takes it. He's over there. Yeah. He's over there. I got App State up there too, but uh, I just want you guys to see a little Georgia Tech love. I love it. We are now in the house, baby. Good show, first one back, fellas. Absolutely, it was fun. Vince Dooley, that was great. Don't get much better. Can't, can't beat that. Graced with legend presence. There you go. We say say the next week right here on the Rob Ben and Joe show. I couldn't say see ya. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go get up right now. Oh, uh, Death Valley.